passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. And welcome everybody to tonight's edition of Rewind a Raw. My name is Wei Ting. I'll be steering the ship. We are giving John the evening off as he battles a bit of a mild cold. Uh, He's been very busy this weekend, of course. Yesterday, he just released an Impact Slam anniversary review on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, This afternoon, he did a post-daily news update with Stephen Bell, author of Dynamite, Davey, uh, Davey and Dynamite, the explosive lives of the British Bulldogs. And he will be back with me tomorrow for Ask Away. So we're giving him the evening off. But joining me on very short notice here, thank you so much for being here. Kate uh, my absolute pleasure. John, get well soon. <laughs> you know, it's it's not a task that I'm I, I have to be very considerate when I decide to to ask. Well, first of all, who who is willing to take on the task of watching this show for three hours to take notes and then joining me afterwards? And also who has been keeping up and thankfully UK from Montreal. Uh, not only do you fulfill both of those qualities, you're also fantastic on air. So thank you for joining oh, thank me tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I have to say this was a bit different because I think a lot of times with Raw, kind of have it on in the background and sort of go in and out. This is like I was obviously making notes and pay it like paying very close attention. So it was uh, well, we'll get to it, but it was a, a slightly different experience. I'm very curious to know as somebody who, you know, uh, has done it for a long time, you know, what it was like for you, what was different about it. So we will mm-hmm. get into that. Uh, it is a, a bit of a three hour show. So maybe we should just get right into it, everybody. Absolutely. So uh, this is WWE Raw coming to us from the University of Nebraska. And to start off the show, we have a graphic in memory of Tim White, of course, uh, the former WWE referee whose death was announced on Sunday at the age of 68. And uh, yeah, this was about, you know, what we all we got for Tim White here. And uh, of course, we send our condolences. Bianca Belair starts the show off. She says she was looking forward to defending against Rhea Ripley at Money in the Bank, uh, but she won't be medically cleared in time to compete. So a bit of a news. I believe Sean Rossap had this just slightly before Raw Raw Mm -hmm. went on the air. But uh, yeah, Rhea Ripley not medically cleared to compete. And I don't believe it's been explicitly stated what injuries she she received. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see anything. Like I didn't even see that it was an injury. So um, as opposed to a sickness, we don't need to mention which one. It goes around a lot, but um, yeah, it was. It was very much like just 
she was out of the match. And then Bianca, the way she put it, she's not medically cleared. Well, is, yeah. we do know that like on uh, June 6th, she had that uh, number one contenders match, of course, in which she uh, somehow injured her teeth that required some dental surgery. Mm. So it could be some remnants of that, you know, that we're not completely aware of. But uh, nonetheless, she has not wrestled since that January or sorry, June 6th match. So um, she mm-hmm. won't be available for Money in the Bank. So then Belair name some challengers for a new number one contenders fatal five way that's about to take place. Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Carmella, Asuka, and Becky Lynch. And we have the procession of uh, people that are about to wrestle. As Becky Lynch comes out, she says she's the only de- deserving challenger. She still hasn't received her WrestleMania rematch, and she had her match won at Hell in a Cell. Then Asuka comes out. She starts making fun of Becky crying, calls her big-time baby. Liv Morgan says she's in a great mood because she's already in the money in the bank, but she's willing to trade in that opportunity for a chance to face Bel Air one more time. Uh, one-on-one, I should say. Carmella then comes out and she says she wants Liv kicked out of the match because she's not a former champion like the rest of them. She says Liv is only here because she's riding on Alexa's coattails. And now comes Alexa finally, who says, uh, Carmella, you shouldn't be talking because last time you won your briefcase, you needed that guy with a certain chin and that Carmella has never been successful on her own. And this sets up our fatal five-way match. What do you think about this opening segment and the decision to uh all have these five um i I actually i i found the promos very very stiff generally speaking and this is i mean it's an ongoing problem with wwe promos i thought that interestingly you know carmella's point is well taken the others are all champions Liv is not and has lost every time she's had a championship opportunity. Um, So that's, you know, she's not entirely wrong there. Um, The big thing for me was like, oh, my God, they finally let Alexa speak. She hasn't spoken since she got back. And that was always her strength. Um, I thought we got to see a bit of that. I didn't think she was back quite at the level where she was. But clearly the, the points leveled at Carmella were were dead on the money. Um, and with her coming out that way, I actually thought they were going to give it to her. Uh, because she's certainly, I think, the, the freshest matchup. I don't think she and Bianca have ever had a match. Um, and uh, I... Yeah, I mean, it just, it fell flat for me as a segment. Oh, one thing that I did hear this from the main event tapings beforehand, apparently a uh, woman you might think would be in this, uh, she's lost to Bianca already, was Dewdrop, who apparently won the 24-7 title. Oh, so that's okay. where she is now. Yeah, I, okay, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Well, well who needs a world championship when, when you've already won the, the 24-7 championship, right? So, yeah, okay. and I think she's about, yeah, I think she's about 0-20 with uh with bianca so (laughs) got it so we have our fatal five-way match here where becky immediately goes after oscar which leaves the other three in the ring uh alexa and Liv have a nice little sequence as friendly rivals with these long rolling cradles i thought these two you know did a really good job here um although definitely the crowd seemed a bit tepid for this portion as well as other parts of this match everybody starts to pair up in the ring some good action a lot of it focused on Liv. Um, Carmella does the, the Trish Stratus handstand Rana to Becky who lands roughly onto Liv Morgan below that gets a two count. The Oscar lock is delivered to Carmella, but it's broken up by Alexa bliss. Becky hits the manhandle slam on Oscar, but 
Alexa breaks it with a twisted bliss off the top. We get this is awesome chance, and the finish comes with a twisted bliss to live, but she blocks with the knees and ends up running right into Carmella's super kick. So Carmella gets the win here and goes on to face Bianca Belair for the title at the Money in the Bank match. What do you think of the match, Kate? Um, thought it was a little rough in places. Uh, I did. I agree. I thought that the Liv and Alexa sequences were very good. Um, I thought that again. I I kind of thought they'd give it to Alexa. I also thought that having Becky and Asuka in this match was a little weird, considering that they did. They were at Hell in a Cell. They were the challengers. They should kind of go to the back of the line. Like I thought it would have been fine with a, a smaller group. Um. Yeah, Carmella winning. Uh, I just, I mean, you look at the women who are in that match, and very clearly one of these things is not like the others. I think that she has improved in ring. She is not near at the level of the other of the women she was in there with. I really enjoyed the match. You know, for me, it reminded me a lot of the uh, earlier SmackDown matches after the brand split with, you know, much of this crew, including Becky, Alexa, and Carmella, Mm -hmm. where they would often do these multi person matches and, I think they would, they were often like great ways of showcasing the talent is in that, you know, wouldn't necessarily require any single one of them to like, you know, hold people's attentions for like 10 minutes. Uh, While at the same time, I think mixing up the star power pretty decently well, it was very fast paced, you know, and like many WWE multi-man matches, very easily, easy to follow and well organized. I think they do a great job of like, you know, making sure that these matches aren't too cluttered or too messy. Definitely some spots could have been a bit tighter. There are moments like, you know, where Alexa Bliss, who's still doing the sister Abigail as her finish, she's like, she's got the move. In addition to the twisted bliss, she's holding on to the move and just felt like she was waiting a little bit too long for Becky to come in to break it up, for instance. But overall, um, I enjoyed the match. I see Carmella being chosen here as basically picking the person who is least important to the money in the bank match to be in. Um mm-hmm. Was she even like actually? If she if she if she was even announced, she wasn't. She she wasn't in the match no. yet. Never mind. No. no, but um, but everybody else here is about to be. You know, in Alexa Bliss, yeah. or at least you know was is vying for a spot. Um, I think I think Liv is set for a big spot in the Money in the Bank, and perhaps mm-hmm. Alexa Bliss as well. You know, part of the reason why I I I, I hope that her personality has been so understated and and so kind of lacking is that I hope that they're actually setting something up for her, whether it be a turn on live or something like that. And for that reason, I feel like both the, both of them have pretty integral spots in the money in the bank match. Um, Becky and Oscar was a bit interesting. Cause like coming off of this show, I have no idea what they're going to do with Becky, you know, uh, spoiler alert, everybody Oscar won the main event. So she'll be in the money in the bank. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess you can't do Becky versus Belair if that's something that they're holding off on. So I guess that no, was and they should hold off on it. That's your that's your SummerSlam match. That's the which will be the anniversary of Becky coming back and the the, the sort of the twenty six second disaster. Like that should be the SummerSlam match. Mm-hmm. So I guess that leaves Carmella. You know, because who else do you have? Right, Dewdrop. I mean, yeah. she's be, she's gotten beaten like millions Nikki. of times, and Nikki. I, I, I suppose, you know, but at that point, it's like in terms of star power, you're not really, you know, that yeah. that off from Carmella. So, no, no, I think you're dealing with a, a, a technically better wrestler. So it would make me a little happier in that regard. But no, certainly, I, I guess that's the thing, like either way, whatever you were going to get. I mean, Rhea was the one that you were building up. Uh, anything else was going to be a very cold match, which makes me wonder, you know, 
maybe just put another match in there. Um, like maybe you don't have defense. to have her. Yeah, you don't have to have her defend the title. Um, you can you can work around that. So Becky Lynch is in the back. She's complaining to Adam Pierce about losing yet again. Uh, and Pierce reminds Becky that originally, before this match was made, the Fatal Five Way, she was scheduled to face Oscar. Uh, and then Pierce makes that match official again. So uh, that was the match this afternoon that they were promoting. I mean, really promoting all week, mm-hmm. Oscar versus Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. So it does make me wonder if when they exactly found out about Rhea Ripley. Because I think mm-hmm. for the structure of the show, it would have made a whole lot more sense to promote that five way instead of, you know, announcing that you're going to do Becky versus Asuka before yeah. doing all of this. So this was kind of their way of handling the awkward structure of the show, I suppose. And then our next segment. Speaking of an announced, Vince McMahon shows up here. Uh, he gets that same baby face pop as we saw last weekend uh, or Friday, I should say. And Nebraska here is bowing to him. People are clapping to him, uh, all in the midst of a sexual misconduct investigation, of course. He comes out to say, tonight is the 1,517th edition of Monday Night Raw, which continues to make this the longest-running episode, episodic show, whatever bullshit that they say in history. He says, thank you. He says, 20 of Raw's 30 years have been dominated by the greatest WWE superstar of all time who returns next week. Uh, And that is, of course, John Cena. And that's all Vince is here to say. So Mm -hmm. uh, Slightly longer than what he said on Friday. Yeah, and and he trips up slightly as he exits the ring as well. But yeah, what do you think of these? uh, A second Vince McMahon appearance in as many days. I'm looking at my notes and what I have written here is, oh, Christ. Um, it was uh, unexpected. I'll give them that. Um, after the appearance on Friday with the, the reaction to it, I think other than in the stadium, I think was very good. It was a bit mixed, but it was generally very good. Um, it, I think it was very positive tonight, but it was a real risk putting him out there. You know, he is a divisive figure. There is this story that is circulating right now. I guess this is their attempt to kind of control their narrative. Um, but, and again, he came out and really said nothing. He came out and announced something that was already announced uh, that we knew was happening next week. And he, uh, I, I I guess the, what the like fifteen hundred and seventy like whatever it was the like the Krusty the Clown twenty ninth anniversary spectacular or whatever it was it was like a very random I guess he knew what number it was so uh, okay it's their yeah. choice <laughs> much like on Friday there was no real purpose to the appearance but for Vince to show his face and that's mm-hmm. what I find so fascinating is the strategy behind it why he decides why he has decided that it is so important for him to in the midst of this controversy that is very public uh why it's important for him to appear on his tv screen not once now but twice and who knows how many more times this could be a weekly occurrence at this point right but he comes out here and it's really again no mistake about the type of character he's being portrayed i mean please remember everybody last time we saw vince I mean, he's doing the whole thing with theory. He's got the whole thing with Austin. He's more of a nefarious sort of like, you know, 
he's Mr. McMahon. He's like, he's mm -hmm. teaching the theory how to attack opponents from behind and all that shit. And then here he comes out just like he did on Friday as almost your lovable grandfather, you know, taking the same advice that he's giving people like Ronda Rousey and Raquel smiling, you know, thanking the audience, you know, from the, from their hometowns. And I, I mean, it's been discussed, I think a whole lot over the weekend about what some of this might be, you know, some, some thinking that it's, it's a way to show the public and his stockholders that he is not riled by what's going on, that he's still very much, despite, you know, not being entitled the chairman and CEO, he's still very much the face of this business and that he still maintains a level of control and that he's beloved by everybody, despite everything, right? This mm -hmm. one, we can say it wasn't even a ratings grab because they did not announce it beforehand. Um, it just maybe more, more felt like, you know, a public show of strength in the, in the face of controversy um do you think we continue to see this um well he's certainly going to have more time on his hands i guess i wouldn't be surprised if we saw him more i do think that these appearances will wear thin fairly quickly uh i'll be curious to see what they announce him as the next time he comes out uh, because but, but that's the thing kate i don't even i i don't think they would mind if these types of things were thin, because I feel like that's almost the point is to like mm -hmm. not make it seem like it's a big deal. Um, and that him coming out is a regular occurrence, you know, um, and that life is normal, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I think it helps also if you can show that the people are into this, it does lend some credence to the idea that things are going to be fine. He's still the man. People want to see him there. He's going to be there. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it more. I don't think we're going to be seeing it like every Monday and Friday, but uh, I guess there is the opportunity for him to go back to the story with theory a bit. Um, he was involved with that. So uh, we shall see, or possibly with the, uh, the story with Pat McAfee. Uh, of course, on the Vince front, uh, we will probably talk about this uh, a little bit more tomorrow, but he did settle his lawsuit with Oliver Luck mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, with with his wrongful termination uh, from the XFL. So that's at least one thing off his plate, but I'm sure, you know, several dollars um, uh, less uh, from his wallet as well. It, so It's never a super good sign when a negative, when a ruling that goes against you is followed immediately by a settlement it usually doesn't mean it went well for you mm. up next we've got riddle who comes up with a brand new shirt that says hey randy on it riddle says he let everybody down when he lost to roman on friday but most importantly he felt like he let randy down um i'm starting to feel like all of this randy obsession could be just their way of you know justifying randy's turn on him whenever he comes back i mean <laughs> it is at the point now where riddle is bringing up randy at every opportunity to the point of obnoxiousness and yeah. creepiness almost a little mm -hmm. and it's exactly yeah, I, the type of thing that you know is is setting up could potentially set up orton for a, an rko mm -hmm. and uh, i think they are laying it on pretty thick now like I, I hit the point and i've liked what they what they've done with these two i did kind of hit the point in the last week or so where it's like okay this is getting a bit much. It now seems kind of insincere um, or just it's it, me thinks the, the lad doth protest too much. It's go So we'll see what happens. Um, but if I don't know if I see the point to it, unless Orton's injury is a lot less serious than we've been led to believe, because I think 
if he really is not coming back for months, then constantly teasing him like this is, again, is something that's going to start losing its impact. That's my question, you know, because like I think this would be great build if it, we were headed towards Riddle versus Orton at SummerSlam. But mm-hmm. um, if if the suggestions are, are true about like the severity of, of a surgery, I mean, he could be out for the rest of the year. And can Riddle keep this up? You know, or can they keep this this up for Riddle with these constant Randy Randy mentions all the way until I don't know even even January? Yeah, um, like the Rumble. It's uh, <laughs> it yeah, seems we'll it, it. I doubt. I I very much doubt they can keep the momentum that long. Well, in the meantime, it seems like we at least have an idea of uh, who his SummerSlam opponent might be because uh, Riddle says he, even though he let Randy down, he could still win Money in the Bank. And specifically calls out one of the qualifiers in Randy, or, or sorry, in Seth Rollins for attacking his buddy Cody Rhodes. So who to thunk it? Everybody is Cody Rhodes' best friend suddenly. Uh, so Riddle wants revenge for Cody as well, but he also wants to qualify for Money in the Bank. But out come MVP and Omos, who ask if Riddle has been smoking with rappers because only they have the type of stash that can make him think he has a chance to beat Omos in their qualifying match tonight. MVP says Riddle will get high when Omos chokeslams him. And Riddle responds by saying, I'll get high when I get my hand raised tonight. Can we criminalize weed again? Just to stop? I know. It's a good, I, yeah, like I would I would accept some legal sanctions if it meant that I did not have to get these jokes every it's like we get it. You've discovered pot exists. Ha ha, move on. This is certainly what like, it's one of the negative side effects of a legalization of cannabis that I don't think anybody warned us about. Um, <laughs> shit, like t- terrible, like dated shit, like references that companies like the WWE continue to think are edgy. And I don't know, maybe, maybe, I mean, listen, Riddle is a very popular character right now. I don't think he needs this sort of stuff to make him popular, but, um, it got cheered tonight, so maybe what, what mm-hmm. do I know? Mm-hmm. Riddle versus Omos for a spot in the Money in the Bank. Riddle has his ribs taped up from Friday, uh, and so Omos targets it. He delivers a long bear hug, which uh, you know um, elbows him in the kidneys, and then back to the bear hug. Riddle gets his brief comeback. He signals for the RKO, uh, which Omos powers out, hits a choke slam. He got him high, and Omos won. So. <laughs> Big win for Omos, but, you know, Riddle is somewhat protected with the uh, injury. And, you know, realistically, yeah. he is the guy who takes a lot of pinfalls, you know, back in the tag team anyway. So I guess not that big of an upset. Well, I think we- that if there's anything we've learned in the last few months, it's that Riddle is a an amazing seller. Like, he's going to make his opponent look good all the time. And that was very much true here. I thought this was one of the better Omos matches. I haven't been overly fond of the ones, any of the ones with Bobby Lashley. I thought that... Riddle made him look really good here, and the combination of the injury and the power moves that almost is able to do it really it worked. And yeah, I don't, I don't feel like Riddle is diminished by this. There's no doubt that Omos is still an incredibly limited talent, but I think they have enough tools in him for somebody like a Riddle to be able to drag out a good performance out of him. Uh, Omos has a few solid moves. He's become, I think, good at making mean faces. And I think he has enough intensity about him to make these types of matches successful. So uh, well, how do you think he'll do in the Money in the Bank? 
I think I don't think he's going to win, but I think he he is going to get a very good showing. Um, he will the year that Braun Strowman won, like that was very clear they were going to they 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 were basically going with him, but he had some amazing spots leading up to the win. I think almost is going to have a few spots like that. I don't think he will win, but um, who knows? They're a little thin on people right now, but um, yeah, I think that he's going to get some of the most memorable spots of the night. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly curious to see like how they portray him, how what they do to tease him. He is more limited than somebody like a Braun Strowman. Um, but can the rest of the people in that match or, or can they come up with something just unique, you know, for a man of, of mm-hmm. his size? So we shall see. So with Riddle laid out, by the way, do you have any like candidates for who you think might win, uh, at least on the men's side of things? And is almost one of those candidates? Of, uh, no, um. I, I don't think so. I think that they know enough of his limitations to know that he's not ready to be doing a match with Roman Reigns. And particularly if you look at Roman's style, um, well, not that it's, I mean, it's a cash in, it's not necessarily a match, but I don't think that there's any appetite for that match. My instinct is Seth Rollins, actually. I think they mm-hmm. might have him win again. Um, I hope that they recognize at the Royal Rumble that match was to me the like far and away the best thing on that that show and that there is you know the audience was hot for that match um however you want to however you want to play it whoever you want to have doing the heel versus the baby face i think they have good chemistry and uh, that that could be worth revisiting because like you know mania this year um i mean it's still definitely up in the air because we don't know dwayne johnson's status um but do you know I mean, you know, it's a long time away, so I guess they can do even a a mini Rollins run at at some point in there. But just to remind everybody thus far, we have Seth Rollins, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, Omos, Shinsuke, uh, and either Shinsuke Nakamura or Sami Zayn uh, will be have have already or will qualify for the match. Uh, And then I think three more people to be named later. So those are the choices so far. They could also go with Sami, which is, you know, they have a bit of a story there with with him that's and hard to, but that's honestly yeah hard i know i don't by. see it i think they could i think it's a good storyline uh and it would it, certainly sammy's a great promo i don't see them going that far with him i think they have him slotted exactly where they want him and he's not moving anywhere or it could just be the simple direction of drew winning and then you know saying mm. right there i want that match at the castle so uh, we shall see. So with Riddle laid out here, out comes Rollins, who comes in and attacks him. Um, he says that he is the only one who can beat Roman Reigns, as he demonstrated, or at least was about to demonstrate uh, at the Rumble here. He says he's going to win the Money in the Bank contract so he can face him again. Riddle tries to sneak attack, but Riddle, uh, sorry, Rollins catches him with the curb stomp. So Riddle is not in the Money in the Bank match, but seems they are definitely building something for him between uh, Riddle and Seth Rollins, most mm-hmm. likely for SummerSlam here. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, good. What do you think about that match on on paper, SummerSlam? I like it. I like it very much. I think that you've had two guys who are on a run of hot matches. Um, I think the promos will be really interesting. <laughs> like this could go a couple of different ways. And um, how it, many pot references do we get? Oh my God! Please no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, one thing I will say for Seth Rollins, his spoken promos can be pretty dodgy. But in terms of the body language and the presentation of that character, to me, he he has nailed it. Every time he comes out, it's just 
you get kind of invested, you want to see him get smacked. And um, yeah, I, I, I salute him for that, whether it's the weird, you know, the the carnival costumes or really just the, you know, the way he kind of does a little dance on the, the, the way to the, the way to the ring. Um, I find that much more entertaining and much more uh, interesting than when he opens his mouth. It's sort of, Theory is in the ring now, and he still has his podium from last week's pose down with Bobby Lashley. He says that he's better than Lashley has ever been at his stage of his career. Next week is John Cena's 20-year celebration, but his time is up and my time is now. He didn't get to do it last week, so he's going to show off some of his great poses tonight, and he does so. Theory thinks the audience is cheering for his poses until he takes us out his phone to take a selfie, and then he sees Bobby Lashley from behind. And they actually get the selfie up on screen imme- immediately, so that mm-hmm. was pretty cool technology. Um, mm-hmm. Lashley drives him out of the ring. He holds up the U.S. title and says, it's coming home with him. So that sets up something for later on in the evening. But uh, yeah, Bobby Lashley really wants the U.S. title for whatever reason. Uh, I guess because there's no other belts to go for right now. But this is a weird thing to me. Like I, I, I get that Brock is the much bigger name, but to me, given what he looks like and given how he fights, you have what six weeks to build up uh, a a competitor for Roman Reigns. If you can't take Bobby Lashley and do that in six weeks, pack it up. You're not, like that. There's something terribly wrong, and that is he is the natural guy. He does have the crowd on side right now. I think that that's that that feels like a, a pretty fresh match. If we've seen it before, we haven't seen it in a long ass time. So that like all of the reaction that I was seeing, and again, I recognize Brock is the much bigger name, but overwhelmingly the reaction I saw to that thing on Friday was, oh god, again, and. I think they had the opportunity to do something different. So yeah, Bobby's in the U S title hunt now. Okay. We have a brief update on edge and the update is that there's no update. Um, he's still selling the injury with no return, uh, announced yet. So maybe might be a surprise whenever he comes back. Theory is in the back. He's complaining to Adam Pierce and says that, uh, if he, if Bobby wants a U.S. title match at money in the bank, he has to win a gauntlet match tonight against three opponents of his choosing. So that is later on this evening. The Usos are here. He says Roman, or they say Roman will smash Brock at SummerSlam again, just like they'll smash the Street Profits at Money in the Bank. And that takes us to our singles match, the second chapter in the this belt of singles matches between these two teams, Angelo Dawkins versus Jay Uso. Dawkins hits his silencer for a two count. Jay goes for a big dive, but Dawkins catches him, hits a sky high to get the win. A big week for the sky high mm-hmm. uh, here. Mm-hmm. So between this and its anniversary, of course, the Profits and the Usos are now one and one in their single series. And uh, yeah, we we just get some 50-50 balance booking on, their, on the way to the title challenge at Money in the Bank. Uh, what's your interest in the program thus far? Uh, in the program, it's like flatlining. Um, I don't believe that the Street Profits have a chance of unseating the Usos because the Usos just feel way too important to the overall dynamic right now, particularly with Roman gone, they are carrying the torch for him. And if I think if they don't have the tag titles, it becomes very problematic to keep Roman in the conversation 
on a weekly basis. Uh, I thought this was a very good match. I preferred it to the one last week, even though I, I know, and for reason, Montez Ford is known as the better wrestler, the more obviously the more spectacular wrestler. I thought Dawkins did really well here. And yeah, I thought it was a good, uh, they gave, you know, obviously they gave a lot to, to Jay at first. And, you know, he at first, it almost looked like it was going to be a squash match, but I, you know, I, I got very into it. So the the program to me is very cold. I think the wrestling will be excellent. Agreed. We go to our main event. Elias is in the back. He's on a couch. He's got his beard. He's playing a guitar and in walks Ezekiel. Uh, Zeke. Talks about Big Bro dealing with doubters like Owens. Elias says that he's been traveling the world playing shows, but nothing compares to performing in front of the WWE Universe. Elias says he's a changed man after seeing Zeke perform. He's proud to be performing tonight, even in a place like, like Nebraska. Zeke says it means a lot to him for him to be here. They, he knows that their mom and dad are watching that the way that they used to watch the WWE. Zeke talks about the money in the bank. He says he's going to win it and everybody will want to speak with Zeke. Elias says he wasn't sure a wholesome kid like Zeke had a mean streak, but he's proven him wrong. They say, I love you to each other. And they even fist bump one another. Yes, it is. It's every, you know, kid in a media class's first cheesy iMovie split screen trick. But it is fitting with the campiness of the gimmick. And I thought it mm-hmm. showcased the differences between these two personalities really well. I thought it was a lot of fun. What do you think, Kate? Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought it was fun. Um, I'm enjoying this whole thing much more than I feel like I should be for how kind of hokey it is. Uh, one thing, want to give props to Ezekiel Elias. Um, I thought he did a very good job playing two different characters and uh, as you just said sort of showcasing what makes them distinct um that's not an easy thing to do and mm-hmm. they they did come off as two different people which is one of the reasons why the the sort of fake split screen thing the thing worked i thought it went on a little long that's the only criticism i make the next segment is the concert with Elias. So Elias is in there. We get the same setup, the stool, the E minor chord and everything. He says, thanks, Nebraska, for welcoming him back. He is here to remind them that WWE stands for Walk with Elias. And everybody chants along. Elias is about to dedicate the song to his brother when Kevin Owens interrupts. He says, nobody wants this concert and this, char- this charade. He says, he is not like these Nebraskans. He's French-Canadian. So he's as smart as it gets. Do you agree, Kate? Um, the the place where Kevin is from, Maryville, <laughs> Quebec. Um, if you're familiar with it, the idea that he pushes that it is this cultural <laughs> center is hilarious. Like I don't, I, I, I'm trying to think of a good parallel to make that people get, but it is just. It is a tiny little town that's kind of on the fringes of the suburbs of Montreal. Like it's not even sort of wholesome out in the country, really. Uh, interest. Uh, funny thing, my uh, my father in law used to run the grocery store there, and he remembers them. Like he he remembers uh, Kevin and his his wow. father coming in. It's like, oh yeah, I so uh, yeah. What's the population so, of Maryville? Uh, like eight, I think <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's quite small. <laughs> okay. 
so Owens talks about the, the special effects that they have these days, and he says he recently saw a T-Flex fly a hel- helicopter last weekend, and so that video proves nothing. Ezekiel then shows up on the Titantron, and Ezekiel says that he's been telling the truth and that Owens needs to move on from all of this. Elias still in the ring, breaks into his song. The Zeke freaks have been on fire because KO is a liar. And the crowd starts to sing along to KO is a liar. Uh, At this point, Owens breaks Elias' guitar. And Elias hits him with a jumping knee and smashes a backup guitar over Kevin Owens. And that is the in-ring segment. But it doesn't end there. Because in the back, after getting beaten up by Elias, essentially, Owen stumbles through the curtain in the back. He's interviewed by Kevin Patrick, who says, uh, who, who asks Owens, and Owen says he still doesn't buy it. He says, uh, uh, Elias probably pre-recorded the video. Uh, he's probably put on a fake beard. Owen says, I'm going to challenge one of them to a match next week. He doesn't care if it's Elias, Ezekiel, or their younger brother, Elrod. Okay. And at this point, in walks Ezekiel, who accepts the challenge on behalf of the family. (laughs) And then Owens breaks down at the sight of Ezekiel. He starts holding his head as he starts screaming, Elrod. Um, Kate, they have dragged this five-minute tops SNL sketch to three months. I have no uh, doubt that they could drag it to WrestleMania next season because they keep evolving Mm -hmm. it. We keep seeing chapter after chapter. And it also seems like we are actually going to be introduced to a third Elias brother. Oh yeah. They have to do it now. Right. Like they have to, they have to give us Elrod. Um, And yeah, I mean, Owens is just, he is so good. And I just love this idea that he's being driven insane, like just right out of his mind by this whole thing. And he's played it extremely well. Um, And yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I'm curious to see where it goes for uh, the Ezekiel Elias character, Elrod 2. But I'm really fascinated to see where they go with Owens, who I just think eventually is going to have a complete breakdown. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, it is the entertainment part of the sports entertainment. I am, yeah, I'm sports entertained. It is so stupid, honestly. But like when you have talented people like do stupid things, it it, Mm -hmm. it starts to become like really respectable, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, absolutely. Kevin Owens is uh, the man. I, I think like one of the things that, makes it so great is that he he like he points out that like the obvious trickery in all of this mm-hmm. but he's still not sure of it like he's like he, yeah. he probably pre-recorded something he probably put but, on a beard you know it's and that's it's the, so like, dumb. he's he's calling it out but at the same time the fact that he's participating in it almost negates the call out he probably pre-recorded it but he was kind of interacting so it's it it's uh it's a very clever uh, way that they're they're building this i um and he seems to miss the very very obvious way that he could settle this once and for all find himself a friend challenge them to a tag match but he's just not getting there and, and well, obviously he never will he'll never figure this out i i mean i think they could do that and, and maybe come up with some way of, of figuring that oh, yeah. out um i thought he was gonna you know go for elias's beard tonight but did not mm-hmm. do that so He's maybe, you know, maybe if he was from uh, Montreal instead of Maryville, he would have thought about it. (laughs) 
but yeah, later on they did show a graphic. We are going to get a match next week between Kevin Owens and either Ezekiel, Elias, or Elrod. So um, I definitely think we're going to get Elrod at some point. <laughs> Bring it on. We have our Bobby Lashley gauntlet match coming up next, and his first opponent is Chad Gable. And uh, these two, I thought, had a really good match here. You know, of course, Lashley with a bit of an amateur wrestling background himself. Uh, he actually best Gable on the ground, slapping him at one point before doing the shush himself. Uh, Lashley rams Gable hard into the post on the outside. He gives him this long, delayed vertical. Uh, but a spear from Lashley is countered by Gable's ankle lock. And Gable holds onto this ankle lock for a very long time, following up with a with a big moonsault for a two count. We see a really nice set of transitions that ends with Lashley putting him into the hurt lock for the quick tap out here. Uh, what do you think of this por- first portion of the gauntlet match? I, I thought the first portion was very, very good. And surely to God, they have to start giving something to Chad Gable. He's been so like this sort of goofy ass gimmick he's had going. He's he's gotten it over as a heel and he, he is very entertaining. He's always been great in the ring, you know, just start to the, the, the program that they did with RKO, I thought worked very, RK bro worked very well. Um, and yeah, just build on that. I think you've got a very good heel tag team between them and just start giving him some wins. Cause I'm, he, I'm- it's starting to feel a little off now. Maybe as a baby, like an underdog baby face, there might be a, a, a bit of a future. But I, I, I personally think it's a little too late for that. Like mm. if we see if we saw Kurt Angle in a similar territory after being a comedy figure for so long that when it was time to treat him seriously, the audience had a bit of difficulty accepting it. I definitely feel like we were way past that point with Chad Gable yeah. you know, between Shorty it's G about, and, yeah, and all possible. of this stuff. But I mean, that's not to say that he's not in a good spot. He's on TV. You know, he gets mm-hmm. to speak every single week. He's he, he's got this, you know, catchphrase over. Um, mm-hmm. So he will have a job. But as far as like title aspirations, I I, I kind of feel like we're behind or we're, we're beyond yeah. that. It could be. I think that this is the first time since he uh, since he's been there on the main roster that he's had a well-defined character because the Shorty G thing was nothing but a name and a basketball jersey. Oh, my God. Forgot the jersey. <laughs> Otis is the second opponent, of course. He immediately attacks uh, 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 Lashley after the pin, dominates him all over the floor, and Lashley at this point still has a bad ankle, of course. This was a really weird part where the referee starts counting Lashley on the outside. Otis steps back into the ring. The referee gets all the way up to an eight count, and for whatever reason, Otis decides to go back outside to break the count as we go to commercial break. So the announcers had a heck of a time trying to explain that one. My thinking is that the segment, of course, was supposed to go to commercial break and was somehow supposed to end with Lashley on the floor. I don't know if somebody mistimed something and Otis decided to go back out. I don't know. But there seemed to be some sort of breakdown in this little Mm -hmm. portion. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So the crowd is really getting to Lashley as an underdog throughout all this when we return. Uh, He has trouble putting on the hurt lock on Otis because of his size, but he does manage to catch him with a spear as he's about to pin Otis, in comes Gable to attack him for the disqualification. And I guess gives you the idea that they, you know, they don't want both members of Alpha Academy uh, losing to this guy in one shot. They did mm-hmm. protect Otis here. It's, uh, yeah. Would you think Gable's supposed to be the smart one? Uh, this, this did not work as well for me. Like you said, there were some timing issues and just, 
I thought that uh, it was good that they had him unable to put the hurt lock on notice that he had to come up with a different way to, to defeat him. I don't know why they didn't just let him defeat him. Uh, like Gable jumping in at the last minute was like, I, I'm not sure like what this was accomplishing, but as you just said, it's like, I guess they didn't want both. Um, a matter of pride, I suppose, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he saw his friend was about to get beaten. So he, he took it away from Lashley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this was uh, made weirder by what happened immediately afterwards when the third competitor came out. So the third competitor is Theory himself. Uh, Gable and Otis both attack Lashley before Theory arrives. So Lashley is already half dead as Theory starts to beat on him. Theory sets up for his finish, the A-Town down. But Lashley, I thought, beautifully countered into a little cradle Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. pinned Theory. So Lashley gets his U.S. title match at Money in the Bank and... uh, the crowd was really up for all of this. They built yep. really well for this climax here at the end. What do you think, Kate? Yep. Uh, I thought I thought it was like what I what I said there. It was weird because like theory was sort of high fiving and and like uh, getting excited about uh, both members of Alpha Academy. Like they were his friends or whatever. It's like your guys just let you down. They well, they lost they, and they though? lost in a really stupid way <laughs> the second time. Like they were supposed to be your lines of defense. You shouldn't have to come out here. Um, I'm guessing. I get yeah. They attacked him afterwards, but yeah, I'm guessing theory like picked these two knowing that Lashley was probably going to beat them, <laughs> and maybe <laughs> he was just looking to tire Lashley out, and that what that's what the high fives were for. Right. So about that, why would you? put yourself in third it's i guess it's because you're cocky and you think it'll be easy to beat him but why even risk it why risk something like what happened which was a quick turnaround into a cradle and that that finish was to me almost the best part of the entire match uh i thought it was well executed it looked very like you could you could look at and go oh yeah see how he did that like that's good thinking on his part but it just made theory look so stupid and in general the way the character has been presented he doesn't need the help there and vince doesn't love him for his brains uh i think my favorite part about this whole sequence both earlier and this match was that we didn't have to get another theory and vince segment that made me so happy yeah, I don't think those are happening anymore from the way that, you know, it seems like Vince McMahon is portrayed these days. I, I feel like all of that has been dropped. I mean, you know, we, mm-hmm. we wonder if there was anything to uh, like Theory versus Cena that would have involved Vince. Um, but I don't see that happening. And you know what? They haven't necessarily like shown Theory with Vince in quite a while, like since Mania. At least. No, since Mania. So, yeah. So he's kind of with them graduated. both there, you know. The, the opportunity was <laughs> was there. Hey, I, th- like, I mean, with Vince name dropping Cena, I suppose it does open the door for, you know, mm-hmm. more interaction between the three of them. Um, yep. But I mean, I, I actually quite enjoyed this, Kate. You know, I thought they were very successful here at stacking the odds against Lashley and really getting the crowd behind him as this underdog. Um, this comes after, you know, I had my doubts um, certainly last week with the pose down. I thought that was quite awful. But this week, I think, was some solid underdog professional wrestling building here. And otherwise, I, I felt like, you know, all the, the booking was strong. I thought Gable did really well. So he went close to 20 minutes here in total, Lashley. Yeah. 
Yeah, I find that Lashley's style works better in shorter matches, and gauntlet matches are something the WWE normally does very well. This one overstayed its welcome a bit for me. Um, particularly, I think you had a very hot bout off the top. It sort of like settled. It came down after that. Um, again, the crowd again like I'm not saying I'm not saying it was bad. The crowd got very into it, and yeah, Lashley makes an unlikely but well well um uh, an appreciated baby face uh next to theory need. yeah exactly yeah. and again i go back to to me he's the one you build for next for roman but in yeah. lieu of that this is a program mm-hmm. uh all right so belair is in the back she's interviewed about carmella and carmella super kicks her from behind so uh, just a bit of a quick build now for, for that match coming up in how how long are we away from money in the bank? Let me see here. Uh, money in the bank is only next, next week. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. So very quick turnaround. Um, so they'll have, they'll have to do quite the segment next week, but I'm, I'm guessing mm-hmm. this will just be essentially an exhibition for Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. The Miz is with AJ Styles or Miz TV. Miz recaps AJ's recent slump. Uh, which includes, I suppose, uh, losing Finn Balor to Judgment Day, losing to Seth Rollins, uh, having his former partner Omos qualifying for Money in the Bank. And then AJ says, even though this University of Nebraska crowd may be young, they're not naive because this is corn husker country. Uh, their demos will suggest uh, otherwise, but I, you know whether or not they were, they were young live, I, I don't exactly know. Uh, AJ says these Nebraskans, uh, anyway, they, since they're speaking about corn, <laughs> Miz must feel like a failure knowing that his wife married somebody with popcorn balls. And so the Miz freaks out. He says he, in fact, has python-sized balls. He says he beat John Cena at WrestleMania. He has the perfect family. They reinvented reality TV with Ms. and Mrs. AJ admits that he is going through adversity at this point in his career, even though his team won at uh, Hell in a Cell. Uh, but he says adversity is how he became phenomenal. He says he doesn't like to use his own words to solve his problems. He likes to attack people blindsided. Did, did, am I, did I get that right? Did, did Judgment Day yeah. lose? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, no, they didn't. Edge, they won. Edge, edge, edge won. Edge, edge got the pin, which is why it was so incredibly weird that they kicked him of all people out. You're correct. I stand corrected. So AJ is going through certainly adversity then. Um, he says he doesn't like to use his words to solve his problems and he decks Miz. Uh, so anyway, uh, out comes Mrs. Lackey, Champa, to the rescue. He attacks AJ from behind and we get a match. In another lifetime, Kate, this would be a bit of a dream match here between Tommaso oh, yeah. Ciampa and AJ Styles. Here, it is a setup match for a Miz program. Ciampa is in control, some very good-looking offense. AJ takes control, hits the Ushiguroshi. Uh, brief back and forth, phenomenal forearm for the win. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just tragic that this doesn't feel like a much bigger deal and that Ciampa is the stepping stone, which is all he's been. Uh, since he uh, was introduced to the main roster. I mean, he's been the stepping stone to get to The Miz or for uh, Mustafa Ali to get to Theory. Um, I I don't know what they're doing with them. And the one thing that strikes me is that they're not letting him talk. And his character work was integral 
to this the strong run that he had in NXT. And so if you're not giving him a character, if you're not letting him speak, then he's a very good wrestler, but you're just removing a crucial part of his appeal. And yeah, the idea that they could be doing AJ Styles versus Tommaso Ciampa as a throwaway on Raw just makes me sad. You know, I think we all knew that it was going to be a bit of an uphill battle for Tommaso Ciampa making it on the main roster. Um, I think a saving grace is that, you know, he looks tough. He looks mean. Mm -hmm. And that they're not saddling him with a comedy gimmick like I think they would have um, if he was that size and looked friendlier, Butch. looked like Drew Gulak, yeah, or looked like Butch. You know, uh, Ciampa still coming across as at least a serious competitor, even if he does mm-hmm. lose quite often. Um, these are, I think, still very much his tryouts. You know, you know, mm-hmm. he puts in full effort every time he's out there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's his way of proving to the people in the back that he is able to do more. Whether or not the people in the back see more for him is, you know, is a very different question. Yeah. Um, which makes it all the more like, amazing that somebody like an AJ Styles is as you know highly regarded by Vince as he is mm-hmm. not that different in size here you know no and no. AJ is booked to be world champion right so mm-hmm. yeah. I think he may have come along at just the right point like he came along to me when like Triple H was most in Vince's ear and I think probably pointed out to him this guy's huge he's been a big deal for basically every all of the other biggest promotions and it just came together very well for him. Uh, I don't know if AJ Styles came over now that he would have the run that he had um, after he arrived like 2016, I guess right through like 2018. It's just so amazing that like, I mean, it's not like the, like he chooses to maybe respect somebody's um, reputation coming from new Japan versus Mm -hmm. his own promotion in NXT. You know? Well, I, yeah, but I mean, he doesn't even particularly have, like, I think very early on he had that, obviously there's different issues at play, but very early on he had that respect for Nakamura, but that fell away quickly. Uh, he early on had that respect for Asuka, that fell away quickly. Uh, I but they're don't still booked well, or Asuka is at least booked at the top, I should say, yeah. Yeah, booked at the top. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say booked well. Veer Mahan, uh, sorry, did we finish that segment? So yeah, Miz, uh, Miz attacks him. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? AJ is uh, um, hits a Pele, and then AJ hits the Miz with a Styles Clash. So AJ versus the Miz at some point here. Mm-hmm. Veer Mahan is interviewed on the ramp. He says what he did with the Mysterios is only the beginning. He loves Carnage, and nobody knows how to stop him. Says something in his native tongue, and then says, fear Veer. So we get to hear Veer's voice a little bit. Promo didn't exactly say a whole lot here, but um, how do you think he sounded, Kate? Something that strikes me about Veer is that if you look at his social media, he actually comes off as pretty charming. And I'm wondering if they shouldn't just let him uh, let him be that. Uh, one thing that struck me was like when they had the gauntlet match. Why would like? I guess I know why they didn't do it, which is they don't want to have him lose. But logically, Veer was the one to go in that third slot. Like, have mm-hmm. your monster come out. And um, 
And I think that there, if you were going to do the disqualification, it would be in that third segment so that you kind of protect him. But yeah, like he's the monster who's in there now. And I understand why you don't want to have him lose, but that logically was the the option to go with. I, I, I would say not just want, want him to lose, but they probably don't want him to even look weak at this moment. Yeah. I get, yeah. And I, and I get that. Like, I understand why they did it the way they did, but just if you put yourself in theory's position there, why is he not your go-to man at the end? And I guess I'm not supposed to be applying logic here. Uh, I thought, I, I thought he did, you know, it was a kind of a, an, a vacuous promo, but it was fine. He did. Okay. Uh, again, though, to me, he didn't come off as kind of a monster in this one. Uh, so, you know, he came off as maybe, he did like just the tone of voice didn't sound like the sort of monster tone of voice that you would expect. Mm. And this is why I think long-term he might be better booked almost as a, as a baby face. Mm, we shall see. I mean, if you watch, uh, I haven't seen that Disney documentary apparently, but I mean, that was all the baby face uh, build you need mm-hmm. for that. I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, we have our Money in the Bank qualifying match in our main event here between Asuka and Becky Lynch. Becky immediately attacks Asuka on the ramp, and we get a really frantic pace for the next 15 minutes as they return to the ring. Asuka's going for her finishing armbar very quickly. They keep up the pace throughout the entire match, especially with Asuka's barrage of attacks. Uh, we see, you know, spinning chops, spinning kicks, hip attacks. Becky locks in an Asuka lock of her own, but Asuka transfers that into an ankle lock maintaining it as she rolls with Becky's counters. Asuka applies a half Asuka lock on the ropes, hits a big missile dropkick for two. Becky then runs off the apron with an attack, but eats a big counter knee from Asuka, both of them barely beating the 10 count at this point. The finish comes as Becky goes for the disarmor, but Asuka counters with the schoolboy, putting her in perfect position for a big head kick from Asuka. Asuka wins. So uh, we have, a. I thought, another... Excellent match involving these mm-hmm. two. You know, they wrestled mm-hmm. this entire one like it was sudden death, had a great pace for the entire 15 minutes, and yeah. two very solid matches involving Asuka and Becky yeah. on one show. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that they they have really good chemistry, and I don't want to see them overdo this. I think that Asuka needed the win here when she got into – she became the the top contender to the women's title by beating Becky with the mist. So not quite clean. She lost clean to Becky, which is how Becky got into the three-way. And then she was the one who took the pin in that match at Hell in a Cell. So I feel like Asuka was definitely in danger of losing some of her allure. I know the crowd loves her always, but it, I think she, she was teetering on the edge of feeling like she wasn't quite at the top tier anymore. I still, to me, that three-way at Hell in a Cell still feels like a wasted opportunity because I think you get much more mileage given that the build is clearly to Becky versus Bianca at SummerSlam. I think you would have gotten more mileage out of having Asuka do a program with Becky, which is what they teased originally, and then going to uh, Asuka versus Bianca, like sort of pace it out a little more. The fact that they made it into a three-way seems to have thrown it off for me. Um but yeah, this was a really good match. And uh, again, but it, yeah, it reminded me that, you know, I would have rather have seen the two of them be the uh, the starting point for Asuka on her return. And the one thing that occurred to me was when they were uh, about, both about to be counted out, 
why not just like let it happen? We already have precedent that a double DQ gets both of you into a match. Like, why bother? <laughs> like, roll those dice. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess they hate each other enough that um, mm-hmm. that they didn't want to see the other make it, I suppose. But we have our updated uh, roster for the women's money in the back ladder match. Thus far, it is Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Asuka, and either Aaliyah or Shotzi, as well as two other opponents to be determined. So that's who's in so far. Any, you know, anybody stick out to you? Um, it might be early, but I'd say Alexa to uh, become the first woman to repeat. Um, I I think that Carmella, like, Carmella has, clearly... has won two, does hasn't she? Did she win two? I know she won the first one. I didn't remember if she won two. Any uh, at any rate, I think Alexa is a definite possibility because again, we haven't gotten that. She and Bianca have never faced each other. Uh, I uh, and like oh, post, just one. She's I, one. She's only won one. I apologize. Yes. Okay. Um, she, I, I think that that's an interesting match that you can go to. Um, I know there is, um, there is a, a history with WWE, the last show before uh, Money in the Bank, that they do a, a multi-person match with everyone who's lost the qualifiers to determine like the last position. Which I actually like. I think that that's a a good way of sorting out the final position. I I think they'll probably do that next week, and I'll be curious to see who of the the others makes it. I suspect for the women, it's it would obviously be Becky. But your thoughts overall on Raw? Um, it was an episode. Uh, I thought you know I thought it had some some good points the thing about raw is it just feels so damn long and that's what occurred like this is the thing that occurred to me watching it like talking about it obviously there was there was a fair amount that uh, i liked but it just it drags like it's so spaced out you've got so many recaps and so like you know some of the segments are overly long and some of them just seem so unnecessary that clearly you know the the criticism everyone has made this making it for what 10 years it it is it's a slog and that is always going to work against it for me at this point i think like john and i have like made have become so technical with how we watch raw that like or maybe we've just gotten so used to it that it doesn't bother at least me all the time anymore Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing mm-hmm. stuff in between like the commercial breaks. I'm like, you know, I'm waiting so that I don't watch the commercial breaks um, and I can just like, mm-hmm. speed through them afterwards. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for like for somebody, what was it like for you, like taking notes and, and watching it? It made it made me very conscious of the time because a, a lot when I'm watching, as I said, I have it on the background. I'm doing other things. I'll be like. You know, the, I'll be chatting with with other people who are watching it, like just to sort of you know make comments, you know, be catty. Um, I, I like I felt it a lot more this time. Like this, you know, having to sort of fix uh, on this and take in the details, it made it that much more apparent how empty a lot of the show is. And at this point, you know, uh, a couple of years ago. 
I was saying, you know, there's no excuse for that with all of the people they have available to them and all of the writers they have working. They should be able to come up with a lot. The roster is a lot thinner now. So now I think you've gotten to the point where it's difficult to, it's very difficult to justify the three hours, even if you're using everyone. Uh, We have a little bit of breaking news here. And this comes to us courtesy from uh, Mike Johnson, a PW insider who has uh, let us know that WWE issued a memo to talent this evening following Raw, announcing that Bruce Pritchard is the interim head of talent relations going forward. They also informed talents that pending the conclusion of the board of directors internal investigation, John Laurinaitis has been placed on administrative leave. So uh, there's the update on John Laurinaitis for the time being, who has not been uh, on the road since the investigation began. Um, probably talk a bit more about this uh, on the uh, update tomorrow. But uh, first, a couple pieces of feedback to this edition of Raw. First, we got Alexander from Portland's brother, <laughs> Austin from Portland. <laughs> Tonight's Raw felt mostly like a leftover show. Leftover Lashley theory posed down from last week. Leftover Street Profits Usos match from last week. Even the announced Becky Asuka match was leftovers from the opening five-way. That said, what was fresh on this show really connected. Styles and Ciampa put on a good TV match. Riddle continues to be one of the best baby faces in the WWE, even in a loss. And the Elias segment was quite fun. McMahon's appearance was incredibly forgettable, except for one part. McMahon mentioned tonight was episode 1517 of Monday Night Raw, meaning that more than a third of all Raw episodes have been three hours. Wow, what a stat. Highlight of the night was Veer. It seems like he has so much of what WWE is looking for. Size, power, look, and his mic skills aren't bad. I hope there's something in store for him for SummerSlam. He deserves it. P.S. Always nice to hear from Kate. I agree. I think it's Thank way you. too soon, honestly, to like determine whether or not like Veer has it. But yeah, on the outset, size, power, and look, I suppose he has it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, would I'm assuming you have the uh, thread uh, put up there, Kate? Don't you? Yeah, I do. Um, How would you like to give a shot? At reading our next Brandon? Piece of feedback. Yes. <laughs> okay, here I go. Hey, long time, no talk, hope all is well. If you don't know who I am or why I'm here, then you lost the plot. We know. It's me, it's B from NJ. I know self-indulgent on my end, no doubt, but I'm just keeping it a buck. Anywho, Raw, both men and women worked hard tonight. Great effort by the squads. My question, did Vince die years ago and that who walked into the ring was really an NFT of Vince? Meanderings. Wayne and Kate, have you caught up on this season's The Boys? It's been absolutely tremendous. Karen Fukuhara, probably my favorite actress in the show. Should Richard Holiday be on TV? Great performer on MLW. I'm out of here. Peace. I can't. I didn't so do much. that justice. <laughs> no, you did great. You did as good as I think anybody could ask for. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I. I do not watch uh, MLW on a regular basis. So I'm not familiar with with Richard Holiday. Are you, Kate? Uh, funny you should mention. Uh, I saw Richard. I'm not. From, I don't follow MLW on a regular basis. Richard Holiday as a wrestler, I've seen a few times on Dark. I did catch him. He uh, he had a match on a show for Prestige on the weekend. And before that, he uh, had cut a promo. I was really impressed. Like the guy, for someone who is not getting really regular TV experience, uh, obviously MLW is like, it's, it's between worlds. But for, for a guy who, who has not 
gotten exposure on national TV, it did strike me like he feels like he could make that transition very easy. So yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with him. Um, and yeah, very good in the ring. So this was the I, right day to ask me. <laughs> I have been catching up with the boys. Uh, it has been fantastic. Uh, I think what they hit on this season with Homelander essentially like publicly by like playing up how um, how much of an asshole he is and having that resonate with a section of the audience is so like such sharp commentary about so much of what happens today, including what exactly is going on right now with Vince McMahon, you know, um, basically not apologizing for anything and uh, therefore inspiring a certain section of the demographic that thinks, wow, what a badass. He's mm-hmm. just taking all of this and owning it. So I think it's a great show. Uh, and I have one episode to catch up with. Is it something you watch, Kate? It it isn't. Um, it's something that I certainly. It's one of those things that I'm aware of, and and keep thinking like I should get around to this. But I, I feel like I'm I'm so far behind on uh, on TV. I, I I've right now just been trying to catch up on everything from Better Call Saul because I let that lapse, and I'm finally up to season six, so I have to finish the first half of that. And obviously, I'm going to try to do that before it comes back. Oh, that's mm-hmm. that's my TV adventure right now. In between the wrestling, of course, that she watches mm-hmm. and often rants about, and where can people find some of those rants? You can find me at She Rants About Wrestling, which is at She Rants MTL. And I am on Twitter. I, I, I think I achieved, a, I had an epic achievement on the weekend. I actually managed to live tweet four shows kind of simultaneously as best that I could. I don't know if I'm going to be that active again for a while, but uh, it was an experience. And yeah, I, I do follow quite a bit of it. She's a great follow on Twitter at she rants MTL. Uh, as I mentioned, John Pollock will be back with me in the post wrestling cafe for all patrons on ask away. It is a show that we've already recorded and you can find that probably at five o'clock. So for your drives home, on the Eastern time zone. Uh, look for that in the post wrestling cafe feed. I will be back for the daily news update. I've already used up Kate's credits um, for, for tonight. Uh, I was set to have her on, on one o'clock. So uh, as of yet, I have to find another partner, but uh, I hope to hear from you very soon, Kate, as I'm sure we will. I, I hope to be back and thank you as always for having me. All right, everybody. I will catch you guys later. Take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc